Welcome to the Dynasty Freaks podcast with your host, Justin Christopher. For free rankings, player values, waiver wire tips, and trade advice, follow him online at dynastyfreaks.com or email dynastyfreaks at gmail.com. Hello and greetings from Austin, Texas. Welcome all of you Dynasty Freaks. Admit it, you are addicted to Dynasty. I am too. My name is Justin Christopher and I'm a Dynasty Freak, which means I love drafting and trading and scouting and managing all of my teams 365 days a year. So to you, so let's talk some Dynasty. Here's what we have in store in episode number 159. We're going to talk about week number seven. It was a pretty dull week in NFL, actually, compared to what we've been treated with for the first six weeks of the season. Uh, Before the games kicked off, it was already a pretty lousy slate of games on paper, um, and they actually lived up to their billing, unfortunately. So even so, it was still a blast to watch football and cheer on our Dynasty teams on uh, this weekend. I had a kind of of middle-of-the-road week myself, finishing 5-5. and I won some games that I needed to and lost some games that I could afford, you know, a loss. But I still wish I had a better week. Uh, But as always, at the end of a weekend... I remind myself, win or lose, it's a joy to watch football and cheer on all of our dynasty teams, and so I try to remind myself of that. Even though I came up with a last-second win on Sunday night by two points, and then on Monday night had a .4 loss, losing by .4 points, um, that's how it goes, 5-5. Five and five. Anyway, after following all the games this week, uh, here's going to be a few of my thoughts, uh, 10 overall observations from the week. And then we'll talk about some waiver wire tips, get you ahead of your uh, league mates. And then I'll talk about some trades that actually took place in my leagues. So let's start uh, with 10 observations from week number seven. First is what I'll call the injuries and the buy apocalypse. Yes, what I'll remember most about this week was the awful, awful, awful start and sit decisions that managers had to make. Uh, because of the six teams that were on bye weeks and the ridiculous amount of players that will rule out with injuries. At least 22 players on six bye week teams are every week starters that, on Dynasty rosters, including five, uh, four quarterbacks, five running backs, 11 wide receivers, and then two tight ends. Uh, add to that the dozens of players that were ruled out with injuries, and starting lineups were pretty pathetic. Um, in one of my leagues, 11 out of 24 players on my roster, that's my Reality Sports Online League, 11 of my 24 players were injured or on bye weeks, so nearly half of my team. Uh, I have Sterling Shepard and Devontae Parker on several teams, and they, when they were among the very final players that were ruled out on Sunday morning, I was forced to start guys like Randall Cobb, Salvin Ahmed, and Deshaun Jackson on my teams. Um, it was a painful week to hit the uh, submit lineup button for sure. Uh, one of my favorite leagues, um, I saw a guy had to start Jalen Richard and Keyshawn Vaughn as his two running backs. So it was crazy. In two leagues, I was forced to start Dearness Johnson on Thursday night, and I was thrilled when he exploded for 24 fantasy points, uh, giving hope to all who had to start a bad player this week. Uh, but we learned quickly on Sunday that Johnson was the exception to the rule because all the other first-time starters were really unproductive. And if you want to get away, if you got away with a win against a depleted team, congrats to you. If you are that depleted team and you lost, um, I feel your pain. Next observation for the week is I'll call Happy Tight End Day. Um, apparently, Sunday was National Tight End Day. I guess that's a thing. <laughs> George Kittle apparently started it. Uh, maybe the special day contributed to the, uh, you know, the sto- you know, great 
tight end scoring day. It was strange, indeed. Uh, many tight ends scored, but not the ones that were in our starting lineups for the most part. Uh, touchdown scoring tight ends on Sunday included Nicole Pruitt, CJ Uzama, twice, Foster Moreau, Mo Ali Cox, Robert Tunyon, Zach Ertz, Mike Gusecki, and Hunter Henry. Uh, the only two every week starters, at least I think, in that group are Gusecki and Henry, uh, though uh, Henry may prove to be one too. Uh, cheers to you if you started him in his first week with his new team in Arizona, um, and but not many people did, I don't think. A few very savvy managers uh, with Waller on their rosters, I saw them pick up Foster Moreau on Sunday morning and make the switch in case Waller was declared inactive, and they did. And props to those who did that and made that move because it worked out since he had one of the touchdowns. And Tunyon had really become unstartable since his last touchdown uh, was in week two. So I doubt that he was started uh, by many. Uh, I was forced into starting Moali Cox in one league in flex position league in the same league where I had to start Randall Cobb <laughs> on, my, on my lineup. So I was you know lucky enough to, to get, that, uh, get that play and actually contributed to me actually winning because of what happened um, on what happened on Monday night, leading me to a win. Anyway, uh, Uzama and Pruitt, all they do is catch touchdowns. Uzama has caught a touchdown on 29% of his catches, and Pruitt does on 25% of his catches. So I just say, ugh, <laughs> here we are again. The tight end position is the worst, and we were reminded of that even on National Tight End Day. Third uh, observation is positive changes in Atlanta, I'll say. A few weeks ago, um, I spoke on the podcast about how broken Atlanta's offense is because they don't pass the ball downfield. At that time, Matt Ryan's ADOT was 4.31 yards, the lowest of any starting quarterback in the NFL. And the offense has really changed the last few weeks, and his ADOT, even though he started with that really bad ADOT, even averaging all that in, it's now risen to 6.24. Sunday, Ryan connected on deep touchdown pass to Russell Gage. He also had several several uh, 20 plus yard passes to Kyle Pitts, who's acting more like a receiver. Uh, he's really become the new Julio Jones to this offense. And if you watch it, it's like, oh, yep, yeah, there's Julio, and no, it's Kyle Pitts. The last two weeks, uh, Pitts has looked every bit like the highest drafted tight end in NFL history and the highest drafted tight end drafted in our rookie drafts. And then you got Cordell Patterson. I think he's getting more volume than he did at the start of the year. And while this makes his fantasy efficiency number fall, his managers have to be pleased that he's getting more touches. Calvin Ridley is the only one not benefiting from the more vertical offense. He's still primarily used underneath, but at least he netted his managers a touchdown this week. Yeah, he still needs to, you know, be started every single week, as does Kyle Pitts and as Cordell Patterson, how strange that is to say. But now after three solid games in a row, I think Matt Ryan is a streamable starting quarterback again. Uh, just like he used to be, or he might even be considered a starting quarterback now in Dynasty Leagues. Fourth point is, I will say, it's good to play the Jets. <laughs> the The Patriots had their way with the Jets on Sunday, as has every other team except the Titans, more on them in a minute. Uh, usually, um, on the you know, all the Jets are on the bubble, you know, or usually for on the bubble type of starting uh, running back is Damian Harris. Um, but he was a no-doubt starter this week because he was playing the Jets, and he promptly scored two touchdowns on the way to his 100-yard day, which really frustrating for managers who started him, and I started him in three leagues, is uh, he got the score got so out of hand that they you know, were pulled from the game, and then J.J. Taylor punches in two more touchdowns late in the game. If this was a close game, Harris really could have had all four touchdowns to himself. Then there's Mac Jones. He actually is looking like the best 
of the you know five first round rookie quarterbacks so far. He really has been looking like the best one. Uh, he had his first 300 yard game on Sunday and led the team on seven touchdown scoring drives. Kendrick Bourne, Jacoby Myers, they've clearly established themselves as Jones's um, top targets. And Hunter Henry's really become his favorite red zone target, getting another touchdown, like I said, um, on Sunday. Then there's Brandon Bolden, who also became the new James White, it looks like. But I'm going to talk more about him in a minute when we get to the waiver wire section. Next point I'll mention is I'll call it two Titanic weeks. Titanic weeks. Uh, The Titans. The Titans have beaten the two teams that played in last year's AFC Championship in back-to-back weeks, and they looked great in doing it. Uh, These wins come after losses to the hapless Jets, like I mentioned three weeks ago. There are only other losses to the 7-0 Cardinals, so the Titans are doing something here. I think A.J. Brown, he's just so good. He had so much of their offense, uh, giving them the defenses more to worry about when they play them than Derrick Henry, as if you could stop Derrick Henry anyway. But the two of them, having just a beast of Derrick Henry and the beast of A.J. Brown, has really made their offense better now that he's been back healthy the last two weeks. And uh, their defense is helping, too. After a game-winning tackle and a shootout on Monday night, last Monday, uh, their defense this week actually held the Chiefs to just 67 yards of offense in the first half. They sacked Mahomes uh, four times and forced him out of the game in the fourth quarter. Um, If Brown and Henry stay healthy and this defense can play like it did on Sunday, the Titans have uh, just as good a chance to play in the AFC Championship as the teams they beat in back-to-back weeks. So the Titans... Um, and the Bengals, which I'll say, those were the two teams that made a statement on Sunday and really were two of the only uh, fun games to watch, I would say. Titans and the Bengals, they made their statement. Which brings me to the next point, point number six, uh, second-year quarterback explosions. Uh, Speaking of the Bengals, like I said, it was really great to see Joe Burrow and another uh, second-year quarterback have explosive fantasy days. Uh, Burrow threw for 416 yards and three touchdowns, and 50%, get this, 50% of those yards were to Jamar Chase, who really, he should, he should just be given the Rookie of the Year trophy, like right now, just give it to him. Uh, then there's also Higgins. He was more actively involved this week, too. And uh, I'm only missing uh, you know, touchdowns. It's, it's all that's really lacking from his fantasy day is just the touchdowns. If he just had a few of C.J. Uzama's touchdowns, who had two on Sunday, Uh, If he had five on the year, I think we'd be thinking differently about Higgins. He just hasn't had the touchdown catches. And I believe the touchdowns are going to come because Burrow really has this offense humming. Um, Another second-year quarterback uh, returning from injury is Tua Tungavoa Viola. Uh, He had his second-best fantasy day of his young career. He threw for 291 yards but had four touchdowns in a comeback effort that fell just a little bit short on Atlanta when when Atlanta came back and won a last-second field goal. Uh, he added 22 and 29 rushing yards the last two weeks, too. Um, he's just played really well the last two weeks, even though he's been without you know two of his starting wide receivers. And I think that the Bengals, and even more so the Dolphins, were given grief for not drafting Justin Herbert uh, after he played so well last year. But now I think they're beginning to show that they can be uh, really belong in the same ballpark in the 2020 quarterback class and make it look more robust than it appeared at the end of their rookie seasons. Jordan Love and Jalen Hurts also in that class. On the other hand, they're a different story. They're not helping uh, that that class yet. Next thing I'll mention is uh, grudge match performances. Uh, there are two grudge matches on Sunday, and only one side of each battle got its revenge. First, there was Jared Goff versus Matt Stoff- Stafford in the showdown. And then there was DeAndre Hopkins versus 
David Johnson in that faceoff. Uh, Goff and Detroit uh, came out aggressive, and they you know, got an early lead on the Stafford-led Rams, but they couldn't stop Stafford and Cup connection. Uh, but who can, really? It's just, it's just nuts. Uh, Cup is averaging, get this, 116 yards per game with Stafford. 116 yards per game. He's the fantasy MVP. It's him or Mike Williams are like the fantasy MVPs uh, this year. 116 yards per game. Last season with Goff as his quarterback, he averaged 61 yards per game. So more than 55-yard uh, difference per game already. Goff and the Lions did fight hard like they've been doing every week, but Stafford won this battle pretty easily. Goff has still not led his team to a win when not being coached by Sean McVay. That's pretty wild. He's not won a game unless Sean McVay has been his coach in his NFL career now, seven games in, to playing with them. As for the Hopkins and Johnson battle, uh, Hopkins got a little bit of revenge. He had a seven-catch, one-touchdown game against David Johnson, uh, who's, you know, ended his revenge game with a seven-catch, or, I mean, with a, led his team uh, in carries and receptions, uh, in what, but he was just held to three points. The, the Texans could only manage three total points against Arizona on Sunday. Uh, Johnson touched the ball 12 times, totaling 52 yards, but Hopkins uh, barely beat him, totaling 53 yards, so one more yard, but he did it just on seven touches. Hopkins' revenge game narrative fell short of what really Dynasty managers had hoped for. I was hoping for a real true revenge game with you know several touchdowns, but he did enough to help the Cardinals win, and most likely he did enough to you know carry some fantasy teams to wins as well, even though it wasn't as great as we expected. Next point I'll mention is the quarterback injuries. Man, uh, the week started on Thursday night with Case Keenum uh, filling in for Baker Mayfield, and it ended with many other backups taking snaps at the end of the day on Sunday. Uh, Zach Wilson uh, looked uh, like he injured his, his knee or and his ankle, you know, almost like back-to-back plays. And the Jets had to turn to a quarterback who I have to admit not knowing, Mike White. <laughs> I've never heard of him. Uh, as I already said, the Jets are one of the worst teams in the league. Uh, Jets players were um, are almost unstartable already with Wilson as their quarterback. Now with White, uh, they're definitely not startable. Then there was Sam Darnold. He wasn't injured, but he got pulled from the game in favor of P.J. Walker. Uh, Darnold has been seeing ghosts, as we've heard him say before the last few weeks, and he really needed to get removed from this game. Uh, Coach Rule has indicated that Darnold would start the next game, but even if he does, uh, this short leash... I think it's going to be a thing from now on going forward. Uh, DJ Moore was off to such a fiery start, um, but now he's just moved in the wide receiver three realm, and Robbie Anderson, who hasn't been startable all season, must remain on dynasty benches. Chuba Hubbard, I think he's startable, but only because of sheer volume. Uh, but man, his ceiling is so low week to week when Sam Darnold's at the quarterback and playing as bad as he is. Uh, like I talked about last week, uh, Christian McCaffrey is the engine to this offense. I think until he come back, comes back, I'd expect much of the same um, from Carolina, unfortunately. And the only thing that Jess have to root for is up to my next point, is the two rookies now are starting to win some roles. If there is a startable Jet, uh, Michael Carter. Yeah, he's taken over the lead running back role in New York. Um, like Chuba Hubbard, like I just mentioned, his role could make him a fringe starter, even if he's on a bad team. Um, he more than doubled the snaps of uh, Ty Johnson on Sunday. And this change looks like it's a deliberate choice from the, the Jets coming out of their bye week. Uh, he touched the ball 19 times and compiled 104 yards. Um, I've never been as high on Carter as most dynasty, you know, most of the dynasty community. 
But if his role is solidified in the coming weeks, I think he, he's going to rise up my dynasty rankings for sure. Similarly, um, Elijah Mitchell, he appears to have hold up, you know, uh, hold, have a hold on the you know top of the 49er backfield. Uh, Mitchell was one play shy of doubling up Jermichael uh, Hasty in snaps on Sunday night. And if a 49er running back is going to get 18 carries like Mitchell did on Sunday night, they're a no-doubt starter in your dynasty lineups. They have to be. Man, this is crazy, but Trey Sermon managers have to be sick about this development. While Mitchell, he's really poised right now to be the steal of the 2020 rookie draft since he went in the fourth and fifth rounds of most of the rookie drafts, turning into a starting running back for 49ers. Pretty sweet. Sorry for you, Trey Sermon managers. That's pretty rough. Tenth and final thing that I'll mention, uh, just in closing, as I'll call it boring blowouts. Uh, this last point is less of a dynasty take, uh, but as I mentioned at the start, this was a bit of a boring week, uh, full of blowouts. The only game, uh, the only only one game finished as a one-score game on Sunday. Only one. That's crazy. Sunday at me, Sunday morning and afternoon. Oh, even the evening as well. Not counting uh, last night, which was closer. Of the ten games on Sunday. Uh, that didn't finish within a one-score game, the average point differential was 21 points. (laughs) And it really felt like it. Uh, The Bengals and the Ravens game was the only game that felt like it was really compelling and held my interest beyond the dynasty perspective. Um, We had some really big treats this season, especially in the primetime games. Um, I guess we were due uh, for a dead week, and this really felt like it was. But I hope your dynasty games were more exciting than the NFL games. There's more reasons to follow the NFL, even when it is a boring week. It's fun. For us as dynasty managers let's talk some waiver wire uh, there are a couple interesting options this week um, as a reminder i do play in 27 to 30 man rosters and so the players that i list here are really for deep leagues only if you play in a shallower league there's certainly better players than these to pick up off the waiver wire but if you're in real deep dynasty leagues these are the players that i recommend putting some bids on this week and i'll list them in the order that i would prioritize them it's a pretty bad week overall but there are a few players that I'd like to add to some of my rosters, um, even if it's only due to recency bias. First would be Brandon Bolden. Uh, Bolden is settling into the James White role on the Patriots. Um, he's their pass catching back, and Mac Jones likes to check down to running back so far. So uh, Bolden had his best game of the year on Sunday. Uh, even though the Patriots were leading the game the entire time, he still had six catches and 79 yards and a touchdown, resulting in 16.9 fantasy points. I don't think that's something that you can expect every week. But I think Bolden could be a viable player to start in PPR leagues, especially uh, when better running backs are injured or on bye weeks, something like this bipocalypse that we experienced this week. Second I'd mention is uh, Boston Scott. Uh, Just when Miles Sanders was finally getting the heavy workload to start the game, as coaches promised, then he gets carted off the field with an ankle injury. So frustrating. Uh, He looks like he could miss significant time, uh, leaving the backfield to Kenny Gainwell and Boston Scott. I was surprised to see how soon Gainwell replaced Scott and became Sanders' backup, um, but uh, I had made, made me actually drop Scott from most of my rosters where I had him, um, and now with a chance to be Gainwell's backup, I think Scott's worth picking up yet again. Uh, Gainwell only had one more touch than Scott in the game, so I think that Philadelphia will plan kind of a split, split workload in, in the backfield going forward, just as they did at the start of the season with Gainwell and Sanders. I think that's just their philosophy. And uh, I think Scott's worth adding a few of my leagues this week. Next player is Khalif Raymond. Uh, Raymond's led the team in wide receiver snaps four out of the seven weeks. And he leads the team in targets with 39 and receptions with 26. Um, He's been even more involved in the offense since Quintus Cephas got injured for the last two weeks 
He's been way more involved. And on Sunday, he had a great day with 115 yards receiving. Three weeks ago, he had a two-touchdown day. Um, I don't think he's likely to contribute long-term to a dynasty team, but he could be a startable player in a pinch like many managers were in this last week. So if you think you're in a pinch, Khalif Raymond uh, might be worth adding. These next two are kind of low-end players, but still want to mention them. One is Dante Pettis, uh, resurrected from the dead. <laughs> Pettis has played a significant role in the offense of the Giants the last two weeks while the entire Giants receiving core is banged up. I think his uptip in playing time is solely based on team's injuries, uh, but he could be productive for the next few weeks uh, before these starters return to their team. I'd add Pettis if my wide receiver core you know, was decimated with injuries just as the Giants are in real life. Um, but like many dynasty managers, I used to be a Pettis truther and loved him. Um, but I just can't be burned by him again. I'd be pretty desperate, but I'd consider him if my wide receivers were decimated, which is the case in some of my leagues with all these injuries. And then finally, a Michael uh, Pruitt. Pruitt's getting the second most snaps among the tight ends in Tennessee, trailing uh, Jeff Swaim, of all people, not Anthony Ferkshire. Ferkshire, however, has more targets and receptions. Uh, but Pruitt has the two red zone touchdowns in the last three games, and he could see more playing time if he continues to produce in the red zone. I don't think I would drop a player to add him on my roster to pick up, but I'd consider adding him if I had an open slot that I could maybe move a player into the IR position this week and just had an open slot. I might consider adding him in, in a situation like that. All right, now let's talk and close by talking about some week seven trades. These are trades that actually happen in my leagues. Like I say, trades are pretty hard to evaluate in a vacuum and just see them kind of posted on Twitter or something like that because you don't know um, every team's diverse roster construction or what they're trying to do, which is why I talk about trades that actually happen in my leagues and I try to give context by talking about what I think the managers were thinking when they tried to make the trade. So here are some thoughts on the trades that took place in my leagues this week, and I hope it gives you just an idea on how other very active uh, dynasty owners value players and future picks. It was quite an active trading week in my leagues. Uh, only one of the trades was a dynasty blockbuster, but the other trades seemed to be really small moves to help teams this week during the bipocalypse. I think that was really what was taking place. First blockbuster was Russell Wilson and Mike Evans were traded for Leonard Fournette, Cordero Patterson, and a 2022 second round pick. So Russell Wilson and Mike Evans for Leonard Fournette, Cordero Patterson, and a 2022 second round pick. The team that acquired Wilson and Evans is on top of the league and has one of the best starting lineups week to week. They really do. Uh, he has Joe Mixon and Aaron Jones as the starting running backs, making him more willing to depart with Fournette and Patterson, uh, whose dynasty values are really like at their peak right now. And the team that received Fournette and Patterson in a second-round pick is a solid team, but they're currently just 3-3. Three and three. I think that they were just trying to make a move for this week to help them compete for this week. This week in particular, his team had a really big trouble with bye weeks and injured players, so it appears that he made this very tr- trade to try to buy a win this week, uh, which he was able to do, in addition to helping his team from a dynasty perspective. Um, in this league, we're actually transitioning to a super flex league in 2023, and so from that standpoint, Russell Wilson is even more of a value in this league, and that really tips the scales uh, you know, in this trade in that favor, in my opinion. Everyone knows that Mike Evans provides up and down weeks like his ridiculously up three touchdown week this week, but he's still an every week starter uh, for years to come, I think. While Farnett and Patterson, they're playing out of their minds right now, but I feel like they're far less to, likely to do so in the future. If Farnett, who's in the you know, final year of his contract, signs a new contract with Tampa Bay, 
uh, then I would see this as far less of a lopsided trade. But we're going to have to wait to see if he signs with them again. He's in his last year of his contract, like I said. And I just can't imagine that Patterson can continue on this current pace for the season, let alone further into his career. He's also in a one-year contract, making his future in Atlanta a bit uncertain as well. Uh, for the second team this trade, um, this will undoubtedly benefit his team this year. Getting Fournette and Patterson will help him this year. But I think he gave up too much from a dynasty perspective by giving up Wilson and Evans. The next three trades that took place in my leagues were little smaller, smaller trades, but uh, I'll mention them here. One was A.J. Green for a 2022 third-round pick. How the mighty have fallen. My goodness. A.J. Green gets traded for a third-round pick. Uh, the team that acquired uh, the pick is in full rebuild mode. I think just wanted to get as much as he could for one of the older players uh, on his team, you know, older player that's producing on his team. Uh, the team that received Green is really a top competitor this season, and I believe simply wanted a flex player for this week with four of his startable receivers who are in bye weeks. And so I think that he pretty much did this for a weak move. His two starting running backs are Ezekiel Elliott and James Robinson. They were on bye weeks too. So I think just knowing that, um, I'd be okay with a loss rather than giving up a you know rather than uh, giving up a pick for AJ Green. You know his team was too decimated to do it. Um, so I don't think I would likely have made you know this pick. Third round picks though, we all know they don't amount to too much anyway. But I think this would I uh, think I would have kept the pick um, and just let the rebuilding team not have an extra pick as to what they're doing. But not that bad. Hopefully it helped buy this team a win this week. I forgot to look to see if it actually did. Similarly, another pick was Emmanuel Sanders for a 2023 third round pick. I think this trade had nothing to do with uh, uh, had nothing to do with this week since Sanders is on a bye week. So kind of interesting to make a trade for a player on a bye week. But the team that acquired the third round pick is two and four. Injuries have really rendered his team uncompetitive this season. I think given that case, he was ready to sell one of his oldest players to pick up, you know. Uh, you know, um, to uh, pick two years down the road. Oh, I, I messed up here. This was actually a 2023 third round pick. Interesting trade. Emmanuel Sanders for a 2023 third round pick. I think the team that receives Sanders in the trade is competitive. Sanders is going to provide some depth to his strong receiver core that he has already. Um, and I think he probably start several games for him this year. And the way that Sanders is playing this year, I would have tried to get maybe like a second round pick out of someone. Um, but at the same time, I don't think I would give up a second round pick for Sanders. So I think they just got what they the best that they could get for one of the oldest players on their team. But pretty wild to see Emmanuel Sanders go for a 2023 third round pick. Those 2023 picks that everyone's coveting for are already starting to be traded in several of my leagues. And then finally, uh, trade Mecole Harbin was traded for Johnny Smith in a 2022 third round pick. Hardman for Johnny Smith in a 2022 third round pick. Lots of third-round picks in this this week were traded. Hardman, he's been uh, a little more involved in the offense for the last two weeks, um, so much so that a team was willing to pay a fair amount to purchase him um, and add him to their starting lineup. The team that added Hardman is 2-4, and four, um, even though their roster is much better than that. And then the team that gave away Hardman is a, has a really solid wide receiver core, and they've just felt like they could part with Hardman since he's likely not to see their starting lineup this season or future season, barring you know the breakout year that everyone keeps hoping for for him. Um, I've talked about this before, how I don't like any pass catcher with Kansas City other than Tyreek Hill and Travis Kelsey. I think the third man in the Chiefs is just never going to get enough volume to produce in fantasy teams. So that said, um, I don't like the McColl Hardman side. I think maybe you know overpaid a little bit. That said, Smith in a third-round pick seems somewhat fair to me. 
Uh, Smith seems to have really lost the the you know starting role to Hunter Henry, and a third round pick. You know how they are. Third round picks, third round pick. Lots of them traded this week. People don't value them uh, too much. Hardman was traded for Johnny Smith, and a third round pick. Seems like a pretty fair trade, even though I don't really like any of the players that are involved in the trade overall. That's it for week number seven. Big wrap. Boring week of NFL football, but hopefully it was good for your fantasy teams. Hopefully you fared better than I did. Um, make it a two-way conversation. Anytime. Contact me at DynastyFreaks at gmail.com. That's DynastyFreaks with two E's. F-R-E-E-K. Freaks at DynastyFreaks.com. Uh, I would love to talk with you. Be honored if you take time to rate and review the podcast, um, especially for me doing this independently. would be great to get some reviews and help me move up the chart so other people can find me. You are listening, so thank you for listening. I do appreciate your support. I do want to become your most trusted, independent voice in the Dynasty landscape. Until week eight, you know what to do. Go out there and get freaky. Thanks for listening to the Dynasty Freaks podcast with your host, Justin Christopher. We welcome your thoughts and advice. Let us know what you'd like to hear on the podcast or see on the website to help you dominate your league. Justin prides himself in responding to every email, so hit him up anytime at dynastyfreaks at gmail.com and follow him on Twitter at LonghornJustin. Justin.